This is Behind the Curtain of Country Music with Philip Gibbons. Now here's Philip with today's guest. Recently I was in Nashville at this big event called the Country Radio Seminar and interviewed a lot of folks including Terry McBride, formerly with McBride and the Ride. Now Terry has written numerous songs for artists like Brooks and Dunn and Reba. He wrote If You See Him, If You See Her, also Play Something Country, Stay With Me, and he's won 12 awards from Broadcast Music Incorporated. And Terry's getting ready to release his debut album. Terry, from 1989 to 94 and I think, what, 2000, 2002, you were lead vocalist and and bass guitar player for a little group called McBride and the Rye. That was me. (laughs) That's what I used to do. Yeah, you're right, man. We, we, We got signed. I think we started the first record in 1990. I think I was signed in 89, but... The first single came out around 91, and we had a good little run through about 95. Had some cool records came out and some hits and stuff. Then we disbanded, broke up, parted ways. Then we got back together in about 01 with this little record with Dual Tone called uh, Amarillo Sky, which uh, Jason Aldean later went on to, you know, cop my whole dang version of it. But really, they they loved that song, and I don't blame them. I did, too. That's why I cut it. But, uh, yeah, and then aside from that, I've been writing... Uh, producing some stuff and sort of, uh, you know, out of the spotlight, but fortunately have been uh, uh, able to have success as a songwriter. So that's what I've been doing the last 15, almost 20 years. You've written some songs for this up-and-coming duo called Brooks and Dunn. Well, I tried to help them any way I could. (laughs) I tell you what, man, they really, it's an interesting parallel between myself and uh, Brooks and Dunn because in 92, I had a number one song called Sacred Ground, and Kix Brooks co-wrote that song. So I knew Kix before I knew Ronnie. Then that same year, 92, um, we were uh, nominated for New Group of the Year, ACM and CMA. It was us, Brooks and Dunn, and Diamond Rio. So again, we were kind of together. Then as my deal ended and McBride and the Ride broke up, uh, one of the first cuts I got, I was I was fortunate to get a couple George Strait things and John Anderson, a couple of my heroes were cutting some songs I was writing. And then the next um, big cut I got was Brooks and Dunn in 96. They cut a song of mine called I Am That Man, which went on to be a number one song. And then Ronnie said, man, he was always a McBride and the Ride fan. I mean, he made no bones about it. He bought the cassette and he loved it. So we had a mutual admiration thing going on because, you know, Neon Moon was one of my favorites. When that came out, his vocals and that song slayed me. So we sort of became pals, songwriting buddies, and that turned into me being on the road with them for 13 years. That's what I did. I, I traveled with Ronnie. I ended up uh, writing a bunch of those songs and fortunately having some hits from it. And, um, uh, then even played bass the last three years in the band with with them as well. I was doing everything. They, I was eating their catering, so they thought they finally put me to work out there. So, but it was fantastic. It was like having success with pals, old friends, and it just made it so sweet, you know, to share all that with somebody you truly, uh, you know, have a connection with and a, and a personal relationship, pals. It just made it so much fun. You were telling me it was 25 years ago this week at this big event, CRS, where Sacred Ground became the what the the number one most added song. Yeah, we had the most added single in the country, and we had, we had had a little bit of success prior to that. A couple singles that did did okay and kind of got us some uh, noticed a little bit. But fortunately, that week, man, it just happened to land on this particular week. But it was just a huge event because you know having the most added song in the country is a cool thing. But when you got all these DJs in town, it was the buzz, you know. Yeah. 
And then we did the New Faces show that week, which was really cool. You got to be kind of, you had to be invited by all of the your peers and radio sort of vote on who gets to do that show. So it was a win-win, man, and it really launched us in the the rest of our career it really sort of began from that week moving forward then in june that summer the song had gone to number one and uh, we were on a, we were on a great little little run at that point now you have a debut ep that's coming out hotels and highways on february 24th would you say that you've come full circle as an artist then it's it's kind of like you're starting over well, I mean, you're exactly right. And, you know, I've never done a solo project ever. So this is your first this time. Is this, is this is my first. With somebody else. Well, it's always been in the band, you know, yeah. the band, the group, even the, the, the Emerald Sky that we did. That was still McBride and the Ride, the original members. So this is the first time I've done anything as far as a solo project. But it's uh, it's interesting. It's exciting. And the response so far has been really great. And that's really all I could hope for at this point, you know. Tell me about hotels and highways. Is it a collection of songs? songs that you have written or co-wrote or tell me about the project right it's all songs uh, that i've co-written with other friends and writers that i write with a lot it all <clears throat> the project sort of began with that song hotels and highways you know i wasn't sure what i was going to do i had some people trying to encourage me to cut some sort of record do some sort of project i just didn't have the songs you know and then um as it would happen I wrote this song I really loved the chorus and what it said it just spoke to me I've spent most of my life on the road so you know, waking up to the hum of the at the door the everything I own a suitcase on the floor I just I love those lines I mean fortunately I was able to write you know most of those but it just spoke to me I, I could relate you know I love songs like that when it and so um, you know I had no idea at the time who it would be for I wasn't writing it for myself but I sure liked what it was saying you know and then um, my co-writer who was gonna sing sort of the vocal scratch when we tracked the song he couldn't be there so i sang the scratch and then my other co-writer tommy sort of tuned it he tried to i, I you know i wasn't i wasn't really trying to sing great i was kind of but in a way it had something cool in my voice sort of a i didn't care kind of vocal and anyway he tuned it and tweaked it and the next thing i know they were playing it for kenny chesney like the next day on my weird little scratch this just this publisher loved it kenny he passed on the song but i just all of a sudden had people interested in the song immediately then when i heard myself singing it i went you know what i could sing that song and so that started the whole ball rolling that that song led to the ep what is your goal as an artist then in 2017 and beyond? Well, we've got a lot of plans. You know, whether they all come together, who knows? But right now, we've sent this uh, single out to like 3,200 stations. We've got people from here to Canada playing it, and uh, we have people interested in me coming and doing some dates. And uh, so we're looking at a lot of uh, options, which is great to have. You know, um, I'm doing a little showcase tomorrow downtown here in Nashville. Uh, at the Tin Roof on Broadway, uh, full band, killer little band. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm just now starting to do that, you know, live performance stuff, working up. Uh, it's cool because I'm able to do some of the cool, the new things from the EP. I'm able to do some McBride and the Ride stuff. I'm able to do a couple things like play something country and uh, proud of the house things that I've written for Brooks and Dunn and a couple other people. So it makes for an interesting set. I hope so, you know, because it's got some, it has some hits in there you might recognize. It's got some new stuff you haven't heard. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Are you at a very happy place right now? <laughs> well, it's amazing because, you know, I didn't long for the spotlight once I got out of it, I, I fortunately was able to make a living writing, and uh, I really that's where I poured my focus and my attention into. But for whatever reason, how things line up and stuff happens in your life, it's just come at a good time, you know. I, I, it's just a 
the right people supporting me. I've been gone long enough that people are kind of curious about what's going on, and it's all yeah, it all it all feels good. So yeah, I mean that that makes it feel right for sure. Well, I, when I told, told someone earlier, when I saw your name and John Barry's name on my, my list today, I said, oh, my. <laughs> well, listen, man, I'm flattered. And honestly, that's what it's all about for me moving forward. Someone like you, whoever it may be that's a little interested or, a, you know, or is curious or is moved or digs what I'm doing, those are the people I want to find and be with and talk to. And from that, I just feel like, you know, any, anything's possible. So if you weren't doing music, do you have any idea what you might be doing? I know you started out as a what a bass guitar player with your dad a long time ago. Oh, yeah. so, but if you weren't doing music, what would it be? Have you ever thought about that? Man, I have been in the music business for so long. I've really, I had a couple odd jobs early on, like any young guy would do, which made me go back home and practice guitar a whole lot harder. Yeah. And manual labor, those kind of jobs, you know. I worked in radio for a little bit out of high school. I, I wasn't very good at it. I just knew the songs and Billboard <laughs> chart, so they hired me. But, uh, you know, I've never, I don't really have, which is kind of maybe maybe unfortunate in some ways because I don't really have any uh, outside desires other than this music that has consumed me for my entire life. Like you said, I was a struggling musician for the first part of my career. Then I got to tour and travel with some fantastic artists. Delbert McClinton, one of them from Texas, a fantastic R&B artist. Leroy Parnell and I had a little band together. Year, yeah, Leroy was just a local guy and we had a cover band. He was doing Steve Warner songs, things like that, you know. And then I got to play with some other cool Texas guys and I did a lot of playing just struggling as a musician to make a living in Austin, Texas. It just wasn't easy, you know. Even though I was kind of a popular guy, it was just still a struggle. Once I started making trips to Nashville, writing my own songs, slowly some doors started to open. Then when I had the bulk of those first songs that led to McBride the Ride, a door swung wide open and MCA signed me and I was able to meet and, uh, this producer, Tony Brown at the time, who was the hottest guy in town. He signed me and I was off and running. Then they just gave me all kinds of opportunities. They set me up with fantastic legendary songwriters and you know there was no way you could lose really if you were in there willing to work hard and I was I was like I wanted to take advantage of every moment because I was such a fan of everybody involved in the business songwriters I knew all of them by name and had my favorites you know Guy Clark and people like that I grew up with in Texas but uh, it was so interesting and fascinating to me and then being involved and it was just like a dream come true really so it's still as much fun today as it was 25 years. Well, and now it's even more fun in some ways. I mean, I put a lot of pressure on myself. I wanted to sound good on this project. Sure, sure. I mean, some people have credited me with being a good singer, which I love that. Well, listen, man, yeah, I really appreciate that. And I don't want to disappoint anybody who was a fan. I, I want to sound as good, if maybe even better. I mean, I'm an older guy now, but my voice is still there. So uh, I want to be able to take advantage of that. So that process has been fun. I really put a lot of pressure on myself as far as just getting it right. I produced this record, and so uh, uh, it was up to me at the end of the day to sign off on everything. And mainly as a singer... I got to live with it. We have a studio at the company that I work for, and all it took was for me to schedule some time to get in there. And so uh, I would take these tracks home. I'd live with them. They just weren't right. The melody wasn't perfect. I wasn't landing on the right note exactly. I was experimenting, you know. And then I was finally able to go in and dial it all in and end up with the uh, results that ended up being the CP. Hotels and Highways, Terry McBride. Terry, best of luck, buddy. Good to see you again. Hey, Philip, it's been a pleasure, man. Great meeting you, and thanks for having me. Next, we talked with Andy Buckner, a former contestant on The Voice. 
Welcome to the podcast, Behind the Curtain of Country Music. Hey guys, it's Philip Gibbons, and we're in Nashville at an event called the Country Radio Seminar at the Omni Hotel, and I'm talking now with Andy Buckner of Marshall, North Carolina. Andy, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. You betcha. Now, we want to find out a little bit about you. I know that you were on this television show called The Voice at one time, I believe season nine of that show. Yeah, season nine of NBC's The Voice. It was a great experience for sure. Tell us the road that led you to The Voice. How did all that happen for you? So basically, I had a, uh, a talent scout reach out to me, and they asked me if I'd like to come out there to L.A. and yeah. join the show and ended up auditioning and making it on the show and meeting a ton of great people. I mean, that's the, that was the best thing about the show was the com- camaraderie between all the artists there. I got to make so many connections, and a lot of them are here in town. So it, it definitely opened up a lot of doors for me in the music business. Now, what song were you singing, and who was the first uh, person to turn around, hit the red button, and turn around? So actually, so on the show, I sang Can't You See, and no one actually turned around, to be honest. It was one of those things where I got invited back. So one of the things is now um, I actually turned down coming back. It's one of those things where currently I'm working on just being an artist, you know. The experience, but the experience of being on The Voice was amazing. It was one of those things where I'll tell you exactly what happened. All the judges were basically full. The last, the last judge was Pharrell, and uh, there was one spot left. I was the last person to go, and he wasn't looking for a country artist. But they all encouraged me to come back to the show, which I – Definitely appreciated, but I'm trying to do the artist thing now. I'm here in town in Nashville riding a ton at Carnival Publishing and Big Yellow Dog and with a lot of friends from The Voice like Dustin Christensen, James Dupre, Morgan Fraser, Brittany Sloan, all those folks from The Voice of my season. That, it opened up so many doors, just me being a part of that season. So I credit a lot to The Voice for a lot of the people opening doors for me. So, but you feel like you're exactly where you need to be as an artist right now. I'm exactly where I need to be as an artist right now. I've definitely... Um, like I said, I've had a lot of doors open. I feel excited about 2017. I'm working on a ton of big things. I'm working with this new group called C2 Media, and they're they're helping me out so much. Yes, very grateful. Now, is there an album in the works, some new music? So right now I'm currently working on an EP. Um, we're going to try to release it sometime in March or April, but we've got some really great songs that I think the radio are going to love. So we'll see. We'll see. It's coming up soon, man, March or April. That's what we're, we're hoping for that. So I think you said you like to play Southern music. So what is your definition of Southern music? That encompasses a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, Southern music, man. So, like, I grew up in the mountains, and yeah. when you grow up in the mountains, you got the, a lot of bluegrass influences. So, like, you know, I'm a flat picker. I grew up on, you know, Ricky Skaggs and Doc Watson and Tony Rice. So um, I try to influence some of the Steve Earle sound and stuff into country music, but still make it modern at the same time. So, I mean, some of my biggest influences are Steve Earle, Waylon Jennings, Travis Tritt, Gary Allen. But then I love the modern guys as well, you know, like John Party and Chris Stapleton and all those cats too. So what I'm just trying to do is, you know, it's more of uh, Bakersfield sound and stuff, you know. It's got some Texas influence. It's, it's loud guitars and pedal steel, man. That's, that's party music, man. That's what I like. So country music it's a big family it's really diverse and i think there's there's room for so many different musical genres in the family i agree so much man and like i said i I love country music just because the camaraderie between everybody man everybody in country music is is very encouraging very nice and i'm just i'm thankful to be a part of it how do we find you on facebook so just uh, type in andy buckner on facebook You'll, you'll see a blue verified check man go follow me there and uh keep track of what we're doing on the road man we'll be touring a lot 
hopefully this year in 2017 and hopefully releasing an EP um, March, April sometime. So just stay posted and, and keep looking for me, man. It's an exciting time for you. Very exciting. Very exciting. It's crazy, man, from playing, you know, 250 shows every year, you know, back home. You know, I've, I'm used to booking my own shows and just working my ass off on the road. But now it's like things are finally starting to come together in 2017. So I'm just hoping and praying that things keep going like they're going. You got a bus and all that? I don't have a bus, man. Like, we actually rent. We'll rent a van sometimes, okay. rent a bus sometimes. Sure. It depends on where the gigs are at. But, like, it's one of those things where we tour constantly. And it's that's how we've literally gained exposure, you know, touring with guys like Blackberry Smoke. And, oh, um, you know, those guys, I got a merchandise deal with those guys, and they help promote me. And their fans are, like, obsessed fans. They, like, follow you everywhere you go. I mean, they've they've taken me under their wing and just helped me a lot. Marshall Tucker Band, too, those guys have helped me a lot. Confederate Railroad. Some of the old guys have literally helped me build my fan base, but at the same time, you know, the voice helped open up a lot of doors, and my songwriting is one of the main things that's, I think, that's helped me open a lot of doors here in Nashville alone. But, um, Hopefully you'll see a lot more of me, man, 2017. I definitely appreciate it. Andy Buckner, everybody. Good luck down the road. Thanks so much, brother. God bless you. This has been Behind the Curtain of Country Music with Philip Gibbons. Each podcast will feature Philip interviewing industry giants. Listen again next week for more inside information.